0: Well hello everybody and welcome to this week's wonderful podcast for your Manchester. I'm here today with Mr Brandon McCaffrey, how are you? Hello, hello, I'm very good, how are you? We've got a sensational show, what's on the show today please? Well we've got Emma Kenny from This Morning. We have indeed, we've got Matt Kane, the fantastic author in his brand new book. And we've also got Healy, we've got Paul, we've got all the team as per usual and... And we're also talking to Jenny McAlpine, fizz of Corrie. And she's been talking to the lovely Matt Llewellyn as well.
1: First up, let's talk to this morning's psychotherapist, Emma Kenny, about imposter syndrome.
0: Now we brought you here today because we've had a few messages and uh, we discussed it. It actually all relates to the same thing, this is imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Now what, what is it defined as, what is imposter syndrome?
2: Um, imposter syndrome is known also as fraud syndrome so basically a position where you're either really worried that other people are going to suddenly realize that you're terrible at what you do so it's about other people's perceptions or alternatively you have a concern that even though everybody else thinks you're doing a good job that really you're going to get found out at some point because you don't have the belief in yourself and actually when we look at research around imposter syndrome most people who have it apart from the fact that they have this insecurity, it tends to come from the fact they're naturally talented and gifted at what they do. And they look at everybody else and think, well, why are they struggling when I don't feel that I am? And they have to do less work to achieve the same acclaim. So therefore, instead of owning that and feeling really positive and confident, they imagine that it's to do with them doing a lesser job. So that's kind of a summing up of what imposter syndrome is. It's really common.
1: Wow, yeah. I mean, we were talking about it, obviously, before the show and we've already talked about what's going on. And I personally I think I've got imposter syndrome, um, but I think that's quite popular, especially in the performing industry. I think we're, we, we're quite prone to it.
2: I think that the performing arts and the media are one of the most challenging areas to hold self-esteem and self-worth, because if we're going to have a really honest conversation about the media itself, It's known to spit people out. It's known to reject and abandon people. Mm -hmm. It isn't always the friendliest of places. So part of that is that you're worried about your own skill set not being good enough, and even though they will be, hence why you're doing things like this. Sometimes it's because we look at somebody else's reflection of us and imagine that that's the real reflection of ourselves. And actually, when you're in the media, you have to do a lot of work around self-confidence and self-worth just to maintain your resilience level. It's a hard industry. It's not that you don't have the talent it's that sometimes you don't know the right people. And is this
0: something that I suppose a lot of the young people that come into using social media are are more than likely to be prone to come up against?
2: Do you know what? Actually, one of the things that they're finding in research is that we're more likely to create kind of narcissistic traits in social media. So to some degree, it could be that some people start having a bit of an over-inflated ego. But like you said, for those people who are more mere mortals like myself, when I go on and look at social media, I just get convinced that everyone's like eight stone, fully toned, eating green stuff all the time and living their best life with an A class whatever card they've got. Like, so for me, it's not something that I find that helpful. I definitely think that the less time you spend online, the more time you spend in life, the healthier and happier you'll be. And I undoubtedly think that a lot of those people who are bloggers and bloggers and Insta-famous people probably suffer from imposter syndrome because they are posting completely mythical lives that no one can ever compare to, including themselves.
1: Very much so. I mean, they probably come back off it and there's, I've heard many people yeah. who have met these kind of people and gone, oh, they weren't like that in real life. And it's like, well, yeah, because that's it's a performance, a facade. And it's that yeah.
0: difference between them.
2: How I don't know how to keep it up. How can
0: people <laughs> avoid getting this syndrome then?
2: I don't think it's about necessarily avoiding it. It's about realising you suffer from it. So if you've been brought up in an environment, for example, where specific areas of your personality or your praise have been focused on one area, when you transition and try doing other things and don't get necessarily the praise for it, because you're used to that, chances are that you might start believing it because you're not good enough. That could be one reason. But the other thing is just like, we get appraised through our life from school. Very early on, we're told whether you're a success or failure, which is a terrible idea, because intelligence can't be measured that way. But we Uh do it from like five to whenever you leave school. So part of it is to say, well, how much baggage am I carrying around? I think I'm not very good at this, but actually my actions and the consequences of my actions seem to suggest that I am. Why am I carrying around this mental baggage that doesn't belong to me? And it's almost like an undressing exercise of who told you what about yourself and then kind of going, well, actually, Miss Johnson, you told me I was rubbish at that, but really that's your opinion, not my fact. And also, if you're really affected and you're really insecure, then things like therapy can help. It's a long waiting list, but it can still help. And I guess the most important thing is affirmations. Lots of affirmations. Some of us have gifts that others don't. The most important thing I say to everybody, every client I've ever worked with is, you have one identifying factor that means that you're a masterpiece. You have a fingerprint. Mother Nature knows why she gave you that fingerprint. It's out of seven and a half billion people, you are an absolute one-off, a masterpiece. And so is your skill set. It's just finding them, honing them, and then really tuning into them
0: and i suppose that's really important to do emma kenny thank you so much thank for you your time much. today um thank always you. a pleasure to speak to yes. you because you just tend to make sense emma to oh, be completely honest with you, you tend to make sense we are now joined by an absolutely fantastic author this is his fourth book that we're going to be talking about and everyone has done very very well but will this one let's find out
3: hey mr matt Kane. welcome hello, to the hello. show how are you Hi, I'm good, thank you. Although the nose setup can't compare to Emma's. She looks so glamorous and nicely late. And it's good She's... to see my desk at home. I look kind of...
0: happy. <laughs> I know, but you look very gorgeous as always, wow. Mr. Matt Kane. You really, really do. Now we have brought you on to talk about this book. Now I do believe it is your fourth book, is it? It's a fourth book, yes. Fourth book? I mean, after Crikey. the success of the Madonna book, I mean, did you think do you think that anything could possibly beat that?
3: <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? You, um, as an author, you look at um, emotions from your life and experiences from your life, and you kind of rework them. them. Um, you know, and you kind of explore them in your writing. I'm not sure I kind of thought about when I was writing this, could I top the McDonald's Bolton? My main thing was, my main... Um, motivation was to explore gay um, history a bit, to look at how awful things used to be and how much better they are now. And I do that through this character, this older gay man who's in his 60s, and um, he basically sets off in search of the love of his life, a man he hasn't seen for nearly 50 years. And along the journey, I obviously don't want to give too much away, Um, you have flashback sequences which show how their relationship at the time was not allowed, you know, was frowned upon and they had to meet in secret and had an awful time terrified of being found out and ultimately were torn apart in mysterious circumstances we don't find out about at the beginning, but we find out as the story goes on. And I wanted to contrast those scenes with the world that Albert is living in now and... How much better things are for queer people these days. Well, nice and positive and uplifting. Oh, I mean, so. it's got
0: total heart throughout the entirety of this book, though, oh, hasn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it is positive, yes, but I mean, mm. I, I've, it's just got total. Horror. I mean, look at the comments that you're getting already. Um, from Jonathan Harvey, he says he's thoroughly really enjoyed it. Albert is delightful and charming, and the book is too. From Ruth Hogan, you've got Albert is such an endearing character. I mean, when you're putting these characters together, do you ever set them out to go to be perceived as a certain way, or do you feel it's more important for the reader to make their own choice?
3: Ooh, that's an interesting question. I thought so. The best comment we've had so far that I literally squealed when it came in was from Lorraine Kelly saying she liked it. And I got very excited about that one. Um, you I mean you do you do think about how you hope the readers are gonna respond to your characters and I like to I like to them laugh and I like to I want to move people emotionally. And it's lovely that you've said the book's got a lot of heart to it because I put my heart into it. And that's really what I want people to take away from it.
1: Well, obviously, we've had originally one of your other bestsellers, The Madonna of Bolton, which sort of followed Charlie growing up, learning about being gay. This is sort of a bit of a a reverse list on that and, and Albert doing it in the opposite way. Did you find an issue of going from the younger version to the older, or did you find it quite easy to shift between the two?
3: To be honest, Brandon, I was actually quite nervous about writing the period sequences. Just because I've never written um, in period before, and I was worried Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to get it right. But then when I realised that actually these two teenage boys, as they are, would not have been able to meet in public, in their school, in their homes, they would have had to go to a secret place. And what they do is they find this old war bunker. On the Lancashire moors, because the books all set in the northwest, and um, that becomes their secret meeting place. And when I realised that they wouldn't be um, around their mums, dads, um, friends, yeah, um, it was it was easier. But yeah, and um, I quite liked I quite liked contrasting what it was like then to what things are like now. I quite enjoyed that. So where where can we get the book then? Is it in all good bookshops? Um, I'm hoping so, yes, absolutely. It's out now. It's, I mean, I know we're not supposed to say Amazon, but it's absolutely on Amazon and in all the shops. I'm gonna be coming up to sign a load of copies in the Waterstones, in Manchester, and in the Northwest. I mean, there's a lot of the book set, as you know. There's a whole big key sequence that happens on Canal Street, in yes. specifically the New Union, where Albert's be. been looking for this love of his life. And, um, and there's reasons why you can't find him online. And there's this big twist that happens in the new union. So it's very much a Manchester book. And as soon as COVID allows, I'm going to be there um, in every bookshop I can get in, signing copies. And Just start handing you your
0: book out, being like, do you know who I am? I put a book in your establishment.
1: See Matt, later. What's
0: next for you then? What's the, what are you working on next? Are you bringing us another book? Anything that you can give us as a bit of an exclusive
3: of? I can tell you that I am working on two book ideas. We don't quite know which one will come out first, but they're both set in the North West, and one of them revolves all around Manchester 5. So, um, very much Manchester set books. And um, there's a theatre project I'm working on as well, which is also set in Manchester. Where else could you
0: you set it? Where else could you set it? Matt Cain, as always, an absolute pleasure to speak to (laughs) you. Yes, I'm gonna get through the entirety of this within the next few days. I'm getting the man signed at Warstone. You You can get yours signed, at course. You're such a at times. I am. I love it. to Goodness, Matt Cain, thank you very much for your time today. Absolutely amazing.
1: Next up, we've got the fabulous Coronation Street Stan Mark Llewellyn as he talks to Jenny McAlpine about her life as Fizz on the cobbles.
4: Mark, you okay? I'm very well. Are you? I'm okay. I can see your Manchester. I've
5: brought a little bit of Manchester here above my head. I can... Oh, look, actually, I do you know what? Actually, we... I promise. I'm a bit obsessed. Chris tells me <laughs> off. Every time I come home from the shop, I have something else with a B on it. But look, can't help it.
4: You see, you're a, a magnet for local <laughs> I <shops>. am. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, we've got to talk about Coronation Street. And, I mean, <laughs> at the moment, you're embroiled in another... Big storyline. You're always in big storylines. Yeah.
5: Well, do you know what? It doesn't kind of. It doesn't feel like you are when you're um when you're doing it. But then when someone sort of talks you through, kind of you know what you've done, you think, oh yeah, it's been quite a bit, hasn't there? Mm. Um and yeah, so um it's all been a bit sad. I keep getting sort of um 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 people shouting at me. Um, those there the two blokes in um in a in a carpet fitter's van the other day shouted at me to deck Tyrone um and if I don't they'll do it for me. Um so they uh, yeah so yeah um it's um it's been a bit heartbreaking for our fizz. and there's a bit more to come really.
4: This is an anniversary year isn't it for you on yeah. the street?
5: Yes. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. But um yeah, so it was 2001 when I joined yeah. Coronation Street. So if you do the maths, it's been 20 years. Yeah,
4: you've been you've been in the show a third of the show's run.
5: Yeah. And and over half of my life like over double yeah. like over half again so i was 17 yeah. basically yeah. um so i've been in it longer than i'd been alive when i wasn't in it <laughs> which is crazy when i was supposed to be there for um four episodes
4: mm. that's right be... i remember when when you came <laughs> in as uh, fostered by roy and hayley
5: it just as part of their storyline that just mm. um, you know i was just going to be another foster kid for them and and well we just know what amazing characters they well were and are mm. we miss haley so much daily um and, yeah, just, like, I just, it was just, I was dead lucky. I, I love Coronation Street, always been a fan of Corrie. I thought, well, I'll go and do this, and then I'll go back to my job in booth. The rest
4: is a tumultuous history.
5: <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. It's just, um, an, like, an amazing history that I can't even... Mm. And then hopefully you're not going you know, to ask me what my favourite thing is, because you think is you just can't. You can't pick it. Well, you know, like, yeah. as a fan of the street and and... As a fan, you know, you can't pick your favourite bit and being mm. in it, I, I can't pick my favourite bit. My mm. favourite bit in general are just the amazing people that I've met and the fact that like, my life is in Manchester and I feel so lucky.
4: Now, on, on your Manchester last, uh, the other week, we were paying tribute to Liz Dawn and looking back over her career. Oh. And you've worked with some, you know, some fabulous people, haven't you? And now uh, Maureen Lippman, of course.
5: Well, oh, I don't, I mean, yeah, I mean, back to Jack and Vera, The uh, we always say, we were talking about actually only the other day because our little, um, little Bella, who plays Hope, was asking why the house is yellow and blue. <laughs> um, so we were trying to explain to her. Um, but also, the thing is, it is never not going to be yellow and blue. Well, as long as I'm there, I'll always try and take, I mean, I don't think they can actually come off, they are, Totally cemented on. So <laughs> yes. I, Vera made sure that that stone cladding was not going to move. Um, but I genuinely, and Alan feels the same. I mean, and Alan worked with them from when he mm. very first was in it. But we, and well, I know he's not, he's not living with us any longer. But um I feel like I am a lodger in their house, like, and and. I'm very pleased to be like it just is always going to be Jack and Vera's uh, and we talk about them often um, and yeah just I, I, it's just an honour to live in their house but it definitely is their house.
4: So for those people that haven't been to Annie's before you're right in the city centre yeah. you do a brilliant afternoon tea but it's also very northern isn't it I mean it's cheese and onion pie yes and, uh, yes I Very, are yeah, very traditional, aren't you yes but we do lots. a bit of black pudding
5: there's black pudding there's always black pudding on the menu we've kind of we've kind of introduced a few new things but there's um always a um um always something black puddingy on the menu <laughs> um it's um uh, yeah you, you're right traditional um um mm. cheese and onion pie is always yeah. on there in fact we've got a bit of a pie section going on the menu now so there's a few oh. there's a few different pies. then we're going to have pie of the day so it's, oh, it's quite much. heavy on the
4: on the pie from that section very good well i think it's perfect for coming out of what we've gone through because it's like kind of an embrace um, yeah oh, that's, lo-
5: that's lovely to say and i think that's what yeah and that's what kind of um people that have visited before have really said that that they've missed that um, because hopefully we are a bit of a warm place i mean you can mm. There's there's a lot and that's what's amazing about manchester like how yeah how much choice there is and how yeah. like what amazing places you can go to and that's why i just hope mm. that 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 bustliness comes back but yeah and is its own unique place that is mm. yeah it maybe gives you a little warm hug and um hopefully you feel comfy and people have often you know said they feel comfy being on their own there which is really nice you know because mm. not everyone um, does no, not everyone wants to go and dine out with their family. Um, some people just fancy a little crumb or a bit of black pudding on their own, which is totally allowed.
4: <laughs> there are one or two people that I'm not looking forward to having to hug again. Oh,
5: I know, that's the other thing. <laughs> this is the thing. You've had the excuse, haven't you? You've got to think Loss. of another excuse now. <laughs>
4: I know. It's like going round the supermarket, isn't it? Wearing the mask. It's been a boon for a lot of famous people. Yeah.
5: Well, yeah, well, I don't know I think I don't know I think it's when I open my mouth I can have a hat on <laughs> and a mask and still could say oh Fizz what's Tyrone doing to you I think, How did you I think it's
4: me, god <laughs> wonderful well we hope people come back to Annie's and and go and enjoy some lovely northern fair
5: yeah
3: we
4: hope uh, we hope things work out for poor Fizz as well well uh, um
5: yeah uh, that one give I'm us not any hints that one I'm not sure about. All I can say is, i have got some lovely, lovely scenes coming up, as you said, with Maureen. Because um, she's, Evelyn's kind of like a bit, you know, she's torn between her grandson, but who mm. she thinks has been a bit of a, you know, duck egg and who mm. She wasn't quite keen on in the beginning, but feels sorry for now. So we've had some lovely scenes. And, um, and because I was gutted upset because I thought, oh no, this means that I'm not going to have any scenes with Alan. And I absolutely adore him. It, it, it's my, you know, and I feel so comfortable with him. But I have still had scenes with him. And I've basically just been shouting at him um, just even more than I was when when um, we were together. So, so, yeah, I've not actually missed that. <laughs> We've still had <laughs> lovely scenes.
4: Wonderful. Well, whatever happens, I'm sure you'll be at the centre of Cory Action for more years to come oh, um, you know you've become uh, such a curry legend so uh, oh, we, we do enjoy watching you so thank you very much for joining us and thank uh, you
5: and next hopefully time to you hopefully here. I can come and see you and, in person well
0: we did promise you a great show and I believe we have delivered you a great oh, show we always do have you had fun I've had the best of fun that's amazing isn't it it is make sure you join us next week for another fantastic show here only on your, your Manchester, Manchester.